All right. Hey, look, we've got a real treat for you guys uh, tonight. Um, we've got uh, Sandra Selma-Kirsten, who's here, who's, um, and we've already had a, a wonderful morning with her at Coast Vineyard this morning. Um, um, Sandra is uh, has done a huge amount of training to and and has also done uh, been had a huge amount of experience in uh, helping people uh, through some significant prayer to um, to get to a place of of wholeness and health in their in their lives and in, in their journey with God. So. Um, it's uh, it's a real treat having you here, and we're looking forward to what you have to, to share t- um, tonight. So as she comes up, why don't you give her a big uh, Coast Vineyard welcome? Thank you. As he was talking, I thought of something fun that happened on the bus when I first got here. You know, uh, driving on the correct side of the road was difficult for me uh, because we always drive on the other. So I took the bus a lot. And so I was taking the bus down to Wellington, and it had been a really difficult week. I was so exhausted. And you know how you get a seat by yourself on the bus, and it's amazing, and it's like, oh, this is great. And I had a really good book. And you know how you kind of don't look at anybody just so you can have your time? And a woman came and sat next to me just to chat. And uh, I thought, okay, God, that's all right. And uh, so she asked me what I did, you know. And so I said, well, I'm a prayer minister. And she just looked at me, and and she chatted just a bit and then she got up and left and I thought well (laughs) she must not be a Christian but it was okay because I wanted to get back into my book and then it was a bit later she came and sat by me and she said lady can you tell me what are you prime minister of (laughs) I thought oh my gosh she must have thought this woman is crazy she thinks she's prime minister um but what I do, I'm a prayer minister, meaning it's, it's actually Christian counseling. Uh, and so what we do is we, we deal with the issues of the heart and where people get stuck in their traumas, where they get stuck in their, in their growth, really. And I don't know if any of you have ever noticed that a lot of people can be 17, 18, 45, and act like a five-year-old sometimes. Yeah. Other times they're fine, but just triggered in a certain way, and they're like a kid. And you wonder, what is up with that? Well, sometimes there are places that we're wounded, and we get stuck there. And so when familiar things happen, like rejection or things that really make us mad, we trigger back to that old wound. And so we're responding really out of that immature part of our heart rather than that part of our heart that has grown up and matured. And, you know, if a five-year-old, it was funny, I was with my daughter, and my grandson was five years old. And so, um, actually, he was three years old, sorry. He was three years old. And we were in a drive-thru, and he was whining and kicking the seat because he wanted his stuff, you know. And Karen got so mad, and she said, Caden, stop acting like a three-year-old. And I said, honey, he is three years old. (laughs) And so she laughed, and she says, oh, that's right. So when a three-year-old acts like a three-year-old, There's a lot of grace for that. But what happens oftentimes is that there's a 50-year-old that's acting like a three-year-old, and that's not so good. Amen? Amen. Or sometimes, you know, we're 17, 18, and we're kicking the door 
You know, we're acting like a kid and we're wondering, you know, what's happening there? So I want to talk tonight a bit how um, our, we, we talked this morning about how our hearts get broken. And Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. And we talked about, you know, that word broken means shattered and fractured in many pieces. And so Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And I believe that's the mandate that he left because that same Jesus Christ is in us. If we're Christians, he's in us, right? That Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that anointed Christ, that hovered over Christ is over us. And so that same mandate is, is ours to heal the brokenhearted. I think, though, that we need some tools and some understanding to be able to do that. And when I uh, ministered in my church for years and years and years, and I was able to see prophetically, actually quite easily and accurately. But once we got to that wound or whatever had happened, I didn't know what to do when we got there. I could pray blessing prayers. I could pray, oh, God, help, you know, but I, I did not have the tools. And in my church, we would have genuine salvations. We'd have these moves of God, genuine deliverances. But then I would see that people would go around the mountain again or they'd, they'd just fall back into their old ways, or they'd, um, they'd accept Christ and they'd go, you know, really strongly for a while and then fall back. And I just started crying out to God, and I said, God, there has to be an answer. Lord, there's something. We need tools. I'm using everything that I know, and yet there's stuff happening here, and I don't understand it. How can we help these people effectively? And... I was praying with a friend, and the Lord gave me a vision. It was just startling, just all of a sudden. And I saw people in a river, and they were in these boxes. And they were in the river. They were floating in the river, but they weren't enjoying the river. They were in it, but not really in it. You know what I mean? And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, I'm going to be giving you keys that will help unlock people from their prisons of pain. And I thought, oh. He's going to be giving keys, yay. I don't know about you, but receiving a word like that, I thought, well, it's going to happen today or tomorrow, or at least next year, 21 years later. Seriously. But, you know, I knew it had to be a word from the Lord because I don't remember what happened yesterday. For me to remember something for 21 years, I knew it was God. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. Kept reminding me of it. And... 21 years later, someone handed me a book on Keys of Transformation and went by John and Paula Sanford with Elijah House Ministries. And when I read that book, I went, oh, my goodness. These are the keys that I've been crying out for for 21 years. And so what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight are just little thumbnail sketches of what we teach in Elijah House in healing the heart, but also helping people to get unstuck in those places where they're stuck, okay? And so we're going to be talking tonight about dismantling the structure. And so part of the healing for a broken heart is uh, dismantling the structure that we have built to protect it. And we'll be on about the third slide. Are you keeping up with me? There we go. And so we have a picture of a broken heart. Uh, yeah, that one right above that, before that. It's just a picture of a broken heart. Our hearts are wounded. And we can all say amen to that, right? I mean, our hearts get hurt. Sometimes it's really major traumatic stuff. And it's like, whoa, that's horrible. And listening sometimes to stories, um, 
you know, you just, it just breaks your heart to hear them. Sometimes people say, well, what I went through isn't so bad. Sometimes it's an accumulation of things. But you know what? If it hurts your heart, it's important to God. That's what I always say. He loves you, and he's concerned about you. Never compare what you've gone through with somebody else. And I always used to say that, you know? And it was interesting because I always used to say, well, I don't want to bother God with my problems because there are so many other people with big problems, right? I mean, think of all the starving people in the world. It was like I had judged God somehow as being small, and he couldn't deal with everything at once. But what I've learned as I've gotten older is that God can deal with all of us. Amen? And what's important to you is important to him. So our hearts are wounded. And like I said, sometimes it's major um, heartache. Sometimes it feels like a literal broken heart. Did you know that there's something called the broken heart syndrome? Yeah, where we have physical pain in our heart. Our heart responds as though, it were having a, as though you were having a heart attack from emotional pain. And so our hearts are wounded. And oftentimes, if we could have that next slide, oftentimes we try to protect our heart. When our hearts are wounded and we don't know what to do with the pain, we try and protect our heart. And we do that in some really creative ways. Sometimes we use anger. Now, that sometimes that's hard to understand. How could we use anger to protect ourselves, like as a weapon? How could we do that? And there was a businessman that came for ministry, and he was sitting there, and, and his issue was anger. I mean, he had huge anger issues. In fact, his, his family and his employees strongly encouraged him to come. And usually that doesn't work well, really well when people come for prayer because somebody else sent them. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I have to be here. But he was really, he really wanted to find out what, why he was so angry and deal with the anger. And so we were, you know, he was talking about, you know, the issue. And, and so I just asked him, I said, sir, what is the benefit to your anger? And he says, oh, there's no benefit. You know, I hurt people. Um, you know, I hurt my employees, I hurt my, my kids and my wife, and that's why I'm here. There's no benefit. And I said, sir, you're a businessman. You're really intelligent. And if there wasn't some kind of perceived benefit, you wouldn't do it. And he went, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. And so he went like this. Mm. I said, oh, sir, if you could have figured it out, you wouldn't be here. The answer isn't up here. The answer is here. So how about if we listen to your heart? And he was startled. I mean, that's, that's a foreign language sometimes, right? Let's listen to our heart. And so I said, no, nah, let's listen to our heart. The Holy Spirit, listen to your heart. The Holy Spirit will help us to hear. And so he thought for a minute and for a while, actually. And then he, his eyes opened and he says, oh, when I'm angry, I don't hurt as much. When I'm angry, I can make people do what I want them to do. When I'm angry, I feel more powerful. When I'm angry, people listen to me. I mean, he had a whole list of perceived benefits. And I said, you know, you could come here and be very repentant, and I know that you are. But if you're still holding on to these perceived benefits, when you leave this office and someone makes you angry, you will trigger back into that old way of defending your heart from the pain, that old way of trying to control people. I said, we have to go to the root. Where is that anger coming from? 
And most often, those roots that we talked about this morning, uh, most often those roots are actually the, are planted in our heart at, in seed form, usually before the age of six. Isn't that amazing? Before our personality is fully formed. And so anger, we can use bitterness. We can, we can also use bitterness. Um, yeah, we're on the, yeah, there you go. Uh, we can also use bitterness. And some people become very hard-hearted and very bitter because they're tired, actually, of hurting. Have you ever seen people like that? They just use bitterness as a weapon to protect their heart or resentment or unforgiveness. And I've heard people say, well, I won't forgive them because I want them to pay. Have you ever heard that? Maybe you felt that. I want them to hurt as much as they've hurt me. And so we hold on to that unforgiveness. But someone once said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right? It hurts us. We get trapped in that unforgiveness and in that bitterness. And you might be thinking right now, but you don't understand what I've been through. What I've been through is unforgivable. I mean, how can I forgive that person? And you know what? It is humanly impossible to forgive some things. That's why we need a savior. That's why we need Jesus. We cannot do it in our own strength, in our own power, even our own will. Sometimes we don't even want to forgive, eh? But God will give us the will to do his good pleasure if we ask him. But unforgiveness will eat us alive. And one of the things that I've been discovering more and more is that there are many physical problems that can be traced back to spiritual roots. And what they're discovering is um, like a lot of um, arthritis, a lot of autoimmune diseases can be traced back to unforgiveness and bitterness that the person has held in their heart. Dishonor is another way that we can protect our heart. Now, in Elijah House, we're strong on the scripture, honor your father and mother, that life will go well with you, and you'll live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. And so if you come for prayer and your life isn't going well in an area, I'll usually ask the question, were you able to honor your parents in that way? in that area. And you know, honor means to give value to, to give weight to, to prize, to want relationship with. But when we're hurt, oftentimes we will refuse relationship or we'll close our heart, especially to our parents, eh? And when we do that, it's a way of protecting our heart from being hurt again, but we begin to reap consequences from that that will affect us for many, many years. Now, it's so good to see so many young people, yeah? And I'm thrilled to, uh, that more and more young people are coming for prayer ministry. They say, I don't want to wait till I'm older, till I've messed up my life and everybody else's life. You know, I want to get some help now. I've recognized, you know, we talked about the bad fruit this morning. I've recognized some bad fruit. I want to find out where it comes from. Honor, honoring is such a huge thing. And when we cannot or are unable or unwilling to honor or forgive, oftentimes those seeds are planted in our heart 
And God says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever we sow, that also shall we reap. So oftentimes there's a reaping to those seeds of bitterness and unforgiveness and um, resentment. And oftentimes those seeds lie dormant. This is really an interesting thing. They lie dormant. You know, some seeds can sprout up in seven days or so, and some can li lie dormant for years, and then all of a sudden they spring up. And so if a seed is planted, say, when we're really young or in our teenage years, and we plant those seeds of dishonor and anger and rebellion, and then they lie dormant, and everything's going well until the right conditions arise. Now, if, if it's dishonor toward our parents or, or ways that we've judged them, guess what those right conditions might be? If it's a judgment against dad, say, when might we begin to reap that? Ah, oh, yes, when you become a dad or when you fall in love. Hmm and especially when you marry. Because all of that stuff that isn't worked out with your dad, when you marry, the relationship, he's no longer your sweetheart, he's no longer, you know, all of a sudden, he is your husband and potential father. So that which isn't worked out with, guess what falls on your unsuspecting spouse? Yikes. I, I've had people come to me and say, actually, my husband changed on his wedding on our wedding night. It's like, uh, yep, that's how it works. <laughs> and the same thing for the guy. If he has judgments and expectations and, and dishonor toward mom, oftentimes those seeds lie dormant. It, you know, when you have friends, it doesn't matter. You know, when, you have, when you're in love and you're in that, that really cool place. But then when you marry, ah, those unresolved issues are always trying to be worked out. And so the right conditions of marriage and there you go. Or you have your own children, and there you go. So we're going to look at the next thing. Oftentimes what happens is when we sinfully respond, we will begin to judge. We will begin to judge the people who have hurt us and develop what we call bitter expectations. We, you know, because of what we've experienced, we come to expect that's the way I'll be treated. You know, if we were abused by our father or dishonored by our father, shamed by our father, we develop expectations in our heart, that's the way I'll be treated. Now, it's not up here, because up here we're thinking, uh, no, I expect to be honored and treated nicely. But our heart is projecting something else altogether. And when we expect that, when we expect rejection, let's say I have this deep wound of rejection, and I'm expecting that every handsome young man is going to reject me. And so I come up, what's your name? Sean. Sean, handsome young man, eh? Oh, that's what I'm talking about. And so, yeah. How old are you? I'm 19. 19. My granddaughter's 19. Oh. Yeah. All right. And so, oh, she's cute too. <laughs> but if I have this huge rejection thing going on, and Sean, right? Uh, and he's thinking, oh, I want to get to know Sandy, you know, I think she's a great grandma, you know, and so <laughs> he's coming, one, and all of a sudden, I, I want to know you too, but I have this bitter expectation, and so there's something within me, oh, I know he's going to reject me, just like every other guy has rejected me, you know, and so that's coming from me. I'm not saying it, but you're feeling it, and so you go, oh, there's something there, 
and you back up just a bit. Well, if Sean backs up, what do I want to do? I will either push in, which feels weird, or, or I'll back up a step and go, oh, yep, yep, I knew it. Just like every other person that's rejected me. And so you pull back further. And so we're projecting these things. We expect rejection or we, re we expect uh, people to make fun of us or to criticize us or to shame us. And those expectations are powerful. And judgments, they're, they're those things that, you know, we're called to make an accurate assessment. We can say, my dad has done some mean things or my mom is critical, right? I mean, she, she's critical when she speaks, that kind of thing. We can make an accurate assessment. However, when we say, when we stand in that place as judge, jury, and executioner, and we say, you are critical, we're unable to separate out the behavior from the identity, that's when it becomes a bitter judgment. That's when it, you know, it's that word bitter that's the key here. That, that word bitter is where we begin to reap and, and have consequences from, is when we bitterly judge, especially bitterly judge our parents. Is that making sense to you? Because we're called to make judgment every single day between right and wrong and truth and error and who's safe and who's not safe. And, um, but God gives us unconditional love. He looks at us. What's your name? Aren't you glad you sat up close to the front? What's your name? Uh, yeah. Pedro. Pedro? Pedro. Oh, oh, pet, and you are, yeah, Peter's uh, <laughs> grandson. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm connecting some dots. Now I've totally lost where I was going. Oh, oh, I got all excited. It's like, oh, Peter's grandson, yeah. Oh, that's all right. It'll come back to me. So, mm, sorry, I did forget it. It's just gone. So we'll go on. <laughs> that's what happens, right? So when we bitterly judge, oh, God has unconditional love. He is able to separate out what we do from who we are. And he says, I love you, but let's deal with this, right? But when we're little, we don't know. When you were little, you didn't know to do that, right? And we're unable to, oh, you did know that. Oh, I was like, awesome. Oh, I know you're Peter's grandson, right? But it's like, no, we don't know to do that. And oftentimes there's, there's this stuff in our heart toward our parents or toward authority or, you know, whoever has hurt us, right? Maybe siblings or coaches or whatever. And, and we're unable, and we stand in that place, and we say, you are guilty. I'm going to tell you a story on me. I um, went through a really hard time in my life. My world had just fallen apart. My son was an adult at that time, and he was living down in Colorado. I was up in Montana, and he didn't call. He didn't ask, Mom, how you're doing? Um, didn't ask if he could help me, you know, and I was real. he just felt so cold and distant. But I realized that Kenny was going through his own struggle with what happened and his own broken heart, and he didn't have to take care of his mom. But it still hurt me. And so one day I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, is this an inner healing issue? <laughs> As you can. You know, you just, Holy Spirit, what's up with that? It's like, is this an inner healing issue? And the, I felt like the Lord spoke to me, to my heart, and he said, Sandra, what was your father like? I thought, oh, God knows Elijah House. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a question we ask, you know, what was your father like? And so I said, well, you know, um, I know my dad will love me. I, I really do. And I would go to him every night and say, Daddy, I love you. And he'd say, I love you too. 
and there were five girls in the family, and so the estrogen in the house was like, like this. And so dad would come home after working long hours, you know, and he'd kind of hide behind the magazine, you know. And it, it just felt like he was cold and distant. He wasn't there. He worked all the time. He didn't go to my school things. And, you know, it, it just felt like dad was there, but he wasn't there. And I thought, oh, cold and distant, hmm. And it's like if I told dad, daddy, I love you, he'd say, honey, I love you too. But he never pursued me. He never said it first, if that made sense. And I really missed my dad. He was, he was quite angry and went, before he came to Christ. And um, he, I was scared of him. And so it seemed like dad was like out there. I really loved him. I love my dad. But it seemed like he was out there. And then the Lord said, what kind of a man did you marry? And I says, oh, you know, I know if I went to him and said, I love you, he'd say, oh, I love you too. Or if I'd hold his hand, he would hold it for a while and then drop it. You know, but he felt so cold and distant. And it was like I was the one, you know, who was, was saying, I love you. I was the one that was going to him. And then the Lord said something interesting. He said, now that your son is a man, how's your relationship with him? I says, oh, I know he loves me. And if I call him and say, honey, I love you, he'll say, mom, I love you too. But he doesn't call me. He doesn't pursue me. He seems so cold and distant. And then God, you know, gives you this question. He says, oh, and how's your relationship with me? And I almost gave him the fine answer. Have you ever done that with God? Oh, fine. Everything's fine. But I knew if God was asking, I probably shouldn't give him the fine answer. And so I, said, I thought about it for quite a while. And I said, God, I love you. I've served, served you for a long time. And I know if I say, God, I love you, I know you love me too. But I've, I've not felt pursued by you. And it feels like, especially this last year, that all my prayers are getting like here. It seems like you're so cold and distant. Now, if you would have asked me and if I would have answered out of my head, I would have said, my relationship with God is fine. It's great. It's awesome. But when I listen to my heart, and that's where we have to go, that's where the wounding is, it's like, oh. And I realized that every significant primary man in my life, I had the same fruit with. They were cold and distant. My God my husband, my son, my dad. And I was having grandsons. And I didn't want it to continue one more, not one more generation. And so I repented for judging my dad as being cold and distant. But then I got kind of angry at God. I don't know if you all get angry at God, but I did. I said, God, it's not like I judged him as being an ax murderer. You know, I judged him as being cold and distant, and he was cold and distant. It doesn't seem like that's such a bitter root judgment that I would be reaping so much from. And he said, what was in your heart underneath that judgment? And I says, oh, there was a lot of hurt that I'd never really allowed to come to the surface because it's just the way it was. Dad was a good man. He worked hard to take care of us. See, some people say, well, I don't want to blame my parents. See, blame, it's not about blame. 
It's about saying, okay, what was in my heart? It wasn't dad's fault, but in my heart, it hurt, and I judged him for that. I put him in a box, and I said, this is who you are. And so I repented. I went down to see my dad, just broke the power of that judgment and dishonor, went down to see my dad, was sitting at the table. And he said, honey, he said, mom and I want to um, support you for the mission work you're doing. We want to give you $25 a month. Now, for them, they were on Social Security. That's a lot of money for them. I said, daddy, I can't take your money no, it's okay, I'm, I'm fine, I'm really <laughs> fine, I say that so much, I'm really fine, it's okay. And he got up from the table, and I watched him walk over to me, and I stood up, and he wrapped me in his great big daddy arms, and he said, honey, we want to do this because we love you and we're proud of you. Wow. That's the first time I'd heard that he was proud of me. And I just started to cry. And I was just, he was holding me so tight, I'll never forget that big bear hug that he gave me. But see, I judged him. His box was that he was cold and distant. When I broke that box and let him out, he didn't know. I didn't tell anybody that I'd prayed that prayer. When I let him out, he was able to come and be dad to me. Oh, my gosh, those last years of his life were the best. Our relationship was so healed, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it was me that held the key to the box all the time. And then, a couple weeks later, I went down to visit my son. Again, I didn't tell him anything. We were sitting on the couch, and he was at one end, and I was at the other, and we were just talking. And he said, Mom, how are you? And I, just this little tear came down, just a little tear. And he jumped from one end of the couch to the other and just held me. And I just sobbed. And I thought, oh my gosh, I had my son in a box too. And so I'm just sharing this because sometimes the judgments are huge, but sometimes they seem, oh, that's just little, but there's huge consequence to it. And it was really interesting. Kenny came to New Zealand a couple weeks or years ago, and we were sitting chatting. And, and you know, when I when Kenny was young, I was quite religious, and I have so repented of that. I made some big parenting mistakes. I wish that I would have had this before I had children. Oh, my gosh. And I repented to Kenny, and um, we were sitting there chatting, and I said, Honey, I think years ago you put me in a box, and it was labeled, This is who Mom is. And I don't think you know me anymore. You don't know me for who I am. You just know the mom that you put in that box. And every once in a while, you shake me up. <laughs> and I said, I, I want you to get to know me now. And he just looked at me, and he teared up, and he says, Mom, you're right. And that was such a healing between daughter or mom and son and a healing years ago between a daughter and her dad. And so we judge and we develop those expectations. And scripture tells us, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Therefore, you are without excuse, every man of you who passes judgment. For in that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. 
And then again, that scripture, we begin to reap what we've sown. And I love it out of the New Living Translation, Galatians 6, 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And so that's kingdom. God intended that if we planted a seed, we would get something in return. And not just a seed. If we plant corn, if we plant a seed of corn, and mine is about this high now, but if we plant that seed of corn, we're not expecting one seed back, are we? Because it's all about kingdom. It's all about increase. God says, you plant that seed, you're going to get a stalk, and you're going to get ears, and you're going to get rows of corn. You're going to get increase. And so that's wonderful if you're planting seeds of love and uh, peace and forgiveness. But if you're planting bad seeds, the same truth, you will reap it. And sometimes it takes longer to harvest, but you will reap it. And so the next slide, this is, this is the interesting part, is we begin to protect our heart by making inner vows. Those promises that we make to our heart. I won't trust. I won't be vulnerable. I won't let myself be hurt that way again. And those kind of vows really begin to lock this whole structure in place. How many of you recognize yourself in some of those vows? Or maybe you can think of some of your own. How about this side over here? And then we're going to pick on this side. This side. Anybody here you can recognize? I think I've made something like that. Like I won't let anybody hurt me. I won't trust. I'll take care of myself. I'll be strong. I won't cry. Anything over here? Ah, there's some honest ones in back. How about this side? Have you made anything like that? Well, you know, I was listening to a friend years ago before Elijah House, and she was teaching on community, you know, and how great it, you know, it is to be part of a community. And, and she says, you know that old Barbara Streisand song, people, people who need people, they're the luckiest people in the world. Do you remember that song? Are you all too young for that? Oh, Oh, you remember that, Pete. Thank you. Well, it's a cheesy song. It's like people, people who need people, they're the luckiest people in the world. You're going to have to Google it, right? And when I heard her say that, I almost threw up. I did. I was sitting there, nice little women's meeting, and I almost threw up. There was such a reaction. I thought I had a demon or something. I thought, oh, I'm manifesting. What's going on? And it's like the first thing that came to me was people who need people aren't lucky. People who need people get hurt. And my heart just shut down. It's like, oh, she's such a nice speaker. And, and I, you know, where'd that come from? But I didn't know what to do with that. Now I would know. And it took me years before I came to Elijah House. And I thought, oh, people who need people get hurt. That's a bitter expectation, isn't it? So to protect my heart from that, I made an inner vow. I won't need people. So that was the response. Now I'm learning to check my responses. If something comes up, I say, oh, where'd that come from? Wow, that's an interesting response. We always say this at Elijah House. If there's this much offense and this much response, you need to be asking the Holy Spirit some questions. Where'd that come from, right? And so I thought, oh, where does it come from? And I had a memory. Again, it's not a huge wounding thing, but we were building our house. We were all staying in one room, and we were sleeping, and I woke up crying. 
and my mom was so mad. You know, like I said, five girls, somebody's crying all the time. And so it's like, who's crying now? And Irene said, oh, it's just Sandra again. And mom said, Sandra, shut up and go to sleep. I was always crying. And so I went to sleep. The next morning I woke up and everybody else was at breakfast. And I, oh, I hurt so bad. And I realized that I had fallen out of bed on an open drawer. And I had two black eyes and a great big nose. I mean, my face looked like, like this. And so I was just, you know, I just waddled to the breakfast table and everybody laughed. They weren't being mean to me, but you know, oh, I was so embarrassed. And as I prayed about it, now ask my heart, heart, how did you respond? What did you think? It was like, ah, if I show people what's wrong with me, they're going to laugh. If I ask for help, nobody's going to come. If I need people, they're not going to be there. Therefore, I won't ask for help. I won't show people what's wrong with me. I'll be strong. I'll take care of myself. I won't need people. Do you see how that works? And so I think all of us on the face of the earth have made these inner vows. Some of them are mighty strong and powerful. The ones that I made were powerful. I know somebody went through you know, all four levels of Elijah House, and they says, Oh, I was at my school and I found an inner vow. It's like, awesome. <laughs> you know, I had pages of them. Seriously, <laughs> pages of vows. It's like, one? Seriously? <laughs> you better dig a little deeper. But we, we try and protect our heart with inner vows. But if we make an inner vow, like um, I won't trust, and we have an expectation, uh, people are untrustworthy, there will always be a wound behind that. There would be somebody, there would be a judgment against somebody who was not trustworthy. Does that make sense? And there would be a wound where the trust was broken. And so we can see the wound, we can see the judgments, the expectancies and the inner vows. And then we come to believe lies about ourselves, about God, about life, about ourselves. And those lies can be powerful. They are I am statements. I'm stupid or I'm unlovable or um, that was one of my biggest foundational lies. I'm unlovable. I'm a disappointment. That was a huge one. I'm a disappointment. And so those lies can really affect our life. And they're part of that structure. And if you look at this structure, man, this is beginning to look awful, isn't it? Look. And so at the... At the, um, at the outside then, okay, at the outside are the habits and the patterns. And that, those are the ways that we try and medicate our pain or avoid our pain or just deny our pain. Is, yeah, there we go. And so can you guys just tell me, what are some of the creative ways that we use to medicate our pain? Not to pick on you, but you guys are sitting right there. What, and I'm not talking about you, but maybe, and not the person next to you, but, you know, in general, what might people use to medicate their pain? Food. Food. Booze. Drink. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, social media. Don't you just tune out sometimes? Yeah. Work? Movies? Yeah. Oh, I do that too. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> sinful ways, you know, that we, we just avoid the pain. We deny it or we avoid it. And, you know, we're all creative. Shopping is another way. Our soul gets out of peace, and so we reach for something to try and bring us into peace. And if you have a structure like this, you guys, who, who do you reckon would like this structure? Who would like something like this? The enemy, yeah. He likes lies. He likes the wound. He likes the bitterness. And so he will come and occupy that place or at least hang out on that place. Now, a lot of times, you know, someone will discern a particular demon or evil spirit, and they'll deal with it. But if this structure is still in place, usually the thing will come back and still continue to harass us and to bother us. And so what, what we've learned to do is we dismantle the structure. Now, for years, the church has focused on the outside of that circle. And if, if we're motivated, I'm going to pick on the girls this time. If we're motivated and we're going to pretend that maybe you have a problem with, what should we say? How about spending, right? And so you have that problem, and, and you come to me, and I say, you know, you just have to stop that. You're running up your mom and dad's credit cards. You can't do that anymore. You just have to stop. And I'm going to give you some, I hope you don't have this problem, because, right, <clears throat> I'm just making it up. <laughs> but, um, you know, you have to stop doing this. So I'm going to help you to manage your behavior, okay? Yeah. So usually people say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we work really hard. We do the programs, and we, we work the programs. But if that structure is still in place, and let's say that, that we take care of the habits and patterns, right? If the structure is still in place, the next time we're hurt or we feel rejected or we feel that familiar pain, what will we reach for? The thing that was familiar, the thing that helped us in the first place, or we'll trade it for something else. And so it, it's important to look at the sin or the bad fruit that we talked about this morning. It's really important. We need to look at that. We need to deal with it. But I believe that the most effective way is to ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal why do you need that? What need are you trying to fill? What pain are you trying to medicate? Where is it coming from? Where is it rooted? Where's the root, Holy Spirit? And so we go to the wounded heart and find out where the heart was wounded. Find out where the seeds were planted in the first place. We ask Jesus to heal the broken heart. And then we simply ask the heart, how did you respond to what happened to you? What was your sinful response? Were you angry? Were you bitter? Have you been able to forgive? Now, sometimes that forgiveness process takes a long time. So if something was really horrible, you know, I don't expect somebody to say, oh, yeah, I forgive. We talked about that this morning, about that surface forgiveness. Sometimes it's a, the heart has to be healed before we can forgive. So the healing of the heart is so important. But then it's equally as important when we're ready to begin looking at the ways that we've built the self-protection strongholds around our heart and to dismantle them, to bring them. And how do we dismantle them? Through prayer. We confess. We repent. We forgive. We reckon them as dead on the cross. We pray them through. 
You know, some counseling will help you to understand why you do the things that you do, It'll give you some good understanding. And that's important, that's valuable. But if we don't bring it to death on the cross, the power will still be there. Understanding is wonderful, but the power is not in the understanding. The power is in the name of Jesus and bringing things into subjection to the cross. <clears throat> and so that's a thumbnail sketch. Now, those of you who raised your hands, would you, would anybody be brave enough just to share, just out loud right now, um, an inner vow that you recognized? Just a for instance, I will always or I won't. Anybody? Don't, don't, don't. There you go. So, you what? Oh, I thought you said you killed him. I was going to say, wow, we've got some dad issues here. <laughs> but if there's an inner vow, I'll always be angry. Then there's the question, okay, where'd that come from? Who did you judge? What's the wound? What did you come to expect? So, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll recognize that and think, oh, that's not right. And so we confess and repent and, yeah, I don't want that anymore. But a thorough work is to work it backward and say, okay, I've made this vow. Lord, where did it come from? Anybody else want to be brave and just say, oh, yeah, I had a vow, for instance. I know it's hard, but. Oh, I won't be like my dad. So then we would say, okay, what was your dad like? Where did that vow come from? And we would find the judgment, we would find an expectancy, but, but really important, we would find the wound, yeah? And it sounds righteous, I won't be like my dad, but underneath that there's usually a bitter judgment about the way that our dad is. And so I just wanna close in prayer, and I hope that maybe I've just planted some good seeds in your heart. It's like, oh, I think I want to learn more about this. I think that I might have some inner vows, or I might know somebody who has a few, or maybe we have some bad fruit that we talked about today the outside of this circle. I want to really encourage you to pursue and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is this right? Is this what this lady um, said that teased me up there? Is what she's saying right? And you know what happens is, like um, a man came and he was so angry at his wife and she was sitting there and she, he said, well, she just pushes my buttons. And I said, well, sir, we just have to get the buttons out. And you know what a button is? It's a wounded place inside us, and somebody triggers it, somebody pushes it, and all of a sudden, we're out there. So we can't point the finger at anybody else. It's like, why am I responding the way I'm responding? 
And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would touch each one of us and that you would show us, Lord, those places where we have tried to protect our heart in the wrong way. You've told us to guard our heart above all things, for it is a wellspring of life. You want us to guard our heart, but not in this way. And Lord, this is like a target. The enemy knows where that broken heart is. And Lord, we don't want to be a target anymore. Lord, I just pray for each one here that you would reveal if there's something in their life that needs to be brought to the cross. Maybe there's some of that outside of the circle that needs to be dealt with, some habits, some patterns, some sin. Maybe they believe lies about themselves and they just need help to break those lies that they've believed. Maybe they have inner vows or judgments or dishonor. Maybe they have a broken heart. But Jesus, that's why you came to heal those broken hearts. So Holy Spirit, move among us in a mighty way. We're wounded in relationships. We're healed in relationships. And so I encourage you, if the Lord brings something up, would you find somebody to pray with? And we'll be hanging out here up front if you want to just come and talk to us. But just just try and find someone and say, you know what, I, I kind of think there's something I'd like prayer for. And Pete and his wife Trish, you know, up here in front, um, they're here and they're trained in Elijah House and they could pray things to Pastor Matt and his wife. Um, just, just find someone who can help you. And I'll tell you what, you guys, the results are worth it. Doing a bit of work, the results are worth it. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you. Would you just kiss each one of us tonight? Thank you for this good night. Thank you for who you are, that you are a good, good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. It's pretty good stuff, huh? The challenge with something when you hear this is if there is, if you start to recognize some things in your journey of life, and I know that I was sitting there and thinking, like, I made a vow when I was six years old, and I know I made that vow, and I'm, but I hadn't joined the dots thinking, like, maybe that's, um, maybe that's tied to some stuff that needs to get sorted out, and I'm thinking, like, maybe I need to get this get working on some things here and uh, that's always the challenge for all of us and I know Sandy's already said that it's uh, and put that out to you it's like you know maybe there's some some work that uh, that could be done and uh, let's not just listen to this and go oh, that was interesting that was some nice circles <laughs> you, know? Um, you know let's recognize that life can smack us around a bit and uh, you know either through families or you know relationships or just some stuff that that happens and and um but there is such incredible opportunity through the 
love and power of Jesus to see wholeness and, and, and healing and freedom come. And I, I, who's up for freedom? <laughs> I sure am. So let's not just go away from tonight and thinking, wasn't that interesting? Now maybe, maybe this week, grab a, grab a walk on a beach or, um, you know, grab a, grab a bit of space when the house is empty and, and just sit down and, and, uh, and have a conversation with God. I wrote down some stuff. I was like, here's what, you know, like, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, you know, to show you what is the, um, you know, what, what happened when I made that vow. I'm just thinking, those are the questions I'm going to bring to God. And, uh, and what was I, what, what, what did I, how did I respond to that when it happened? I wrote those things down because that's, that's, you know, I'm keen to, to do some work on my heart. How's that sound? Okay. All right, let me just uh, do a closing blessing. And, and can I just say again, before I tricked you, didn't I? You were like just closing your eyes, and then I kept talking. Um, um, you know, Peter here at the front, uh, he kind of heads up our um, that kind of deeper prayer ministry that we have here at Coast Vineyard. And it's just, you know, the, the, he'll tell you story after story of, of wonderful things that have happened as that people have said yes to this, you know, to, to jumping in with that. And um, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. Um, it's it's well worthwhile. So Peter's here, Sandy's here. There's a bunch of people from Elijah House here as well. Welcome, guys. It's so good to have you with us. So that's the third row back. They've got the whole row. That's the row. Oh, sorry, you can tell they're just glowing a little bit. You know, a little bit more than the rest of us. Um, but if you'd like to get some prayer even tonight, or just to have a conversation, stay here. Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you that your power is real. Your love is real. that freedom is possible. We thank you that you've shown people how we can embrace and step into more and more of your freedom and how so many people uh, want to help others to step into it as well. We thank you. We're grateful for them. Bless Sandy and Pete and the Elijah House people and the Healing Rooms people and all that they do as they, they seek to help people to step into freedom. God, I pray for each one of us here, God, you'd, you'd, you'd land the things in our heads and hearts from today that you want us to remember and that you would nudge us through the week ahead uh, so that we do take steps towards more and more wholeness in you. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for each person here. Everyone's got such different stories. Some have been hard, some not so hard, but we've all got our stories. God, I pray for people that are here tonight feeling particularly vulnerable because there was some things talked about that really um, were close to home, really close to their heart, and they're feeling very vulnerable just hearing these things, knowing that um, they recognize uh, uh, the, the wounds of their heart. God, I pray for your, just your, your, your protection, your comfort, and also your courage and strength for them as they uh, work, that, um, work that forward. God, I just thank you that um, as we've heard some you know, deep stuff about the heart, we'll also 
can enjoy our, our time together afterwards, drinking coffee and hanging out and uh, enjoying one another, God. We thank you that you, you love that and are in the midst of that as well. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, we're done. You're very welcome to stay as long as you like. There's coffee on. There's, um, there's nice people. If there's none, no nice people on your left, try your right. Um, but we'd love you, to, love you to hang out as long as you'd like to. And just remember, these guys are here. Okay, bless you. See you next week.